Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Casual Nice. Try- nice. The Casual <laughs> Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this is the best episode number ever. <laughs> yeah. So this week we're doing something a little different. I think we're going to talk about kind of some design changes that have happened in like modern magic and how that has like impacted how the games of magic play now. Yeah, it's kind of a like a design philosophy that they have embraced at Wizards, like in making these sets that has kind of led us here. But we've noticed a change that goes back like a little bit even farther than that. So we're going to yeah. kind of walk through like how meta decks are meta decks now compared to what they used to be. Yeah. So if you want to get at us on Twitter, it's at Casual Tripod. Yep. If you want to hit us up on Facebook, it's Casual Tryhard MTG. You can also shoot us an email, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. I check it all the time and respond usually pretty quickly. Uh, we also have a TCG affiliate link if you want to order some singles. I have seen a bunch of Acoria stuff starting to trickle in. So if you want to get some Acoria stuff before paper pre-release or before you get cardboard in your hands from your LGS... Uh, you can do that there. It's tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Just remember that whatever you buy after following that link will give us a small little kickback that helps us support the show. And if you really want to support the show, uh, we also have our Patreon, patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. I'd like to shout out our uh, two new patrons, Ken and Bradley. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. super appreciate your support. On Patreon, I have been uploading our show notes. Uh, day early before the podcast comes out try and get you a little bit extra content you got a sneak peek of what about what the episode's going to hold for you and also not all the time but sometimes there's stuff in the show notes that we cut for whatever reason i leave that in there for the show notes you guys get to see uh see what was left that we didn't talk about also yeah what you missed out on you're like oh it would have been so great (laughs) (laughs) now we also have a youtube channel casual tryhard mtg on youtube occasionally we'll throw up i think the last one we did was a sealed video occasionally we'll do something like that and throw a video up there it's also kind of just another place to catch the podcast if that's where you want to catch it so again we need some show topics Mm -hmm. so if there's anything that you want to hear about in in the downtime please let us know anything at all like yep. I said, we're we're pretty open to suggestions and whatever means you decide to get a hold of us on. We're pretty regular in checking our messages and stuff, so we should get back to you pretty quickly. Yeah. So this week's kind of big topic mm-hmm. is about building engines. And this mm-hmm. kind of came to me after playing some standard and coming to the realization that like the couple of the major decks in the format all kind of have the exact same play patterns. Yeah. Which is kind of like, hold on, do like, do some like early interaction and then mm-hmm. like play some sort of like engine or main card for the deck. Yeah. And then the game ends. So I, I was looking at like uh Jeskai fires and mm-hmm. wilderness reclamation, like team or wreck. Yeah, and then I mean like, those are great examples because they run extremely similar engines. Yeah, they're both four mana, almost do nothing enchantments that give you a huge mana mana advantage. Yeah, and then like 
the the Bant decks, which is kind of like you know their engine is Nissa. So, right. you know, I wanted to kind of think about like how Magic has changed mm-hmm. over the last few years mm-hmm. and what the engines are that kind of exist in Magic now. Yeah, and I guess what do we mean by an engine? We keep we've said that a few times. What is an engine? Yeah, I think we've talked about it on the show a couple times before. But an engine, I mean, it, it, it's an engine. It's a bunch of moving pieces that all come together to give a certain output. Um, like you had mentioned, a mana advantage. There's engines that build mana advantages. There's engines that build card advantages. There's engines that build board presence advantages. But that's basically what we're talking about is a certain number of cards that seem relatively innocuous when you first look at them but when all the pieces come together it just produces an overwhelming advantage for whoever controls the engine yeah so you want to start off by talking about some of the current ones and then we'll kind of go backwards a little bit and talk about some of the older ones i feel like you should talk about the first one since you love it and i hate it so (laughs) well i love it a little less now i used to like it a lot more but cat oven Yes. So Cauldron Familiar and Witch's Oven, neither of which do anything particularly egregious on their own. But when you combine them, you get a recursion engine in the cat that, you know, drains life over the course of the next 10 turns or fuels a sacrifice deck or, you know, you combine it with Corvold and you, or Midnight uh, Reaper and you have a draw engine. You combine it with Mayhem Devil and you get to you know, machine gun all your opponent's stuff down. They're two pieces that fit well together. That's a pretty good example of an engine, I think. You also get to fog any one non-trample creature. That's true. That's on the ground. So you have Cat Oven. And this one, this one, I think is egregious because it comes down on turn two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, even if you kill the cat side of it, if you somehow can, like anything else they throw in the oven just turns the engine back on. Right, it turns it back into a cat. Yes. The next one is kind of a draw engine, but kind of fits into uh, kind of like big mana engines, and that's Nissa and Hydroid Crisis, or really Nissa and anything. Well, the reason I combined it with Hydroid Crisis is because by the time like you've cast your first Crisis with a Nissa out, it's probably going to find you another one, yeah. which kind of leads to the engine portion of it, where you can start just chaining your Hydroid Crises and... You know, once you hit your second one, your opponent's got, you know, 12 power worth of flyers in the air and they got to do something about that while still trying to kill the Nyssa so they don't get buried and like the game's just over. Yes. So we have uh, Uro, one of uh, a few one card Mm -hmm. engines. Yeah, it kind of does everything. Right. Like it comes down and gets you a card, some life and some ramp. And then on top of that, like it feeds itself to come back later on when you can like support the big body and take the game over. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of does like both halves of what you're trying to do with an engine. Yeah. It just, it's just a card advantage thing and like ends, it gives you time, gives you card advantage, everything you could want. Yep. And ramp. And ramp. Agent of Treachery and Thassa. So mm-hmm. just that. Having Thassa, or really Thassa is kind of the engineer. Thassa and anything that's really good to blink. Agent being the yeah. best thing to blink. Yep. Like one of the cool things about this engine too is that a lot of the pieces that you're blinking with Thassa help you find like the rest of whatever engine you need to set up. 
Yeah, it, they're going to draw you cards or going to go yeah. get you lands or whatever. Yeah, or filter the top of your deck or yeah, whatever you, whatever you need it to do. Yeah, just be thankful that Agent was in an even casting cost. Uh, yeah. It's like flipping Garuda into that. Like, uh... Yeah. So, I have a feeling it did that on purpose. Yes. I'm. I'm maybe it started out as eight and they were like, no. <laughs> so. uh, this one's banned. We have Field of the Dead and Golos. And mm-hmm. Field of the Dead is just kind of a one card engine, but Golos just goes and gets it. And well, like, it's gives like you the lands. slip a turbo on the engine, right? Yes. Like, it's yeah. just like, oh, I have effectively eight copies of this. Yeah. But yeah, so all your land drops just become two twos. Mm-hmm. Right, so you want to draw lands, which you want to do a lot of times anyway. And when you get right. to the point where you don't want to draw lands, you're just drawing two twos. Yeah, or no then, mana investment. Right, and then like when you combine it with Golos, you can just start activating Golos too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the next one I added after after the list got put together, and that was Oko. Yeah, I don't know how I missed this. Sorry. Yeah, yes, he got bit. <laughs> he flew. He he flew bright, but he burned out quick. Right, so Oko was made like an army of three threes plus also contained your opponent's board it just kind of was everything you would ever want from a card yeah it was a life buffer against the aggressive decks it was a finisher for control decks it was removal it was army in a can it did everything yes here's one that's a little more a little older but Mm -hmm. still like i guess you know, from the arena time frame of Magic. And yeah, that is- the, like when I started putting these together, that's kind of what I did. Is these first couple where I was trying to come up with examples, I was looking for things that people were doing on Arena, since yeah. that's you know mainly what we talk about. And this one's Wild Growth Walker and Jade Light Ranger. Yep, this is a little bit more of a traditional engine, like yeah. one of the old engines that I guess I call them, where they're not like absurdly powerful on their own and even necessarily together. But if you stick a wild growth Walker on turn two and then turn three Jade light Ranger, you've for the most part swung the game in your favor, a tremendous amount. Yeah. Uh, you gained six life. You filtered the top of your library and you got two giant threats. Yeah. And you know, kind of in an old engine kind of way, both parts of it are, are, creatures so they're interactable mm-hmm. with the same kind of things right right you know cat oven is a creature and an artifact right so you gotta have two different kinds of cards to interact right, you with can't them. just like load up on creature removal to break up their engine right right like which is why a lot of the like combo decks in pioneer don't work real well because there are a lot of them are creature-based combo so right like yeah. there's a ton of creature-based combo you just play a bunch of removal spells right? and they don't have creatures on the board anymore and you're fine. Mm-hmm. And like wild girth Walker was just really hard for like any red base deck. Cause it gained you life and got out of like burn range pretty quickly. Yeah. Yep. Which is what made it like, you know, must answer. Mm-hmm. So this one next you have rekindling Phoenix as kind of a one card engine. What do you mean by that? It's like Uro in a lot of ways. It's kind of self-contained and builds up an advantage like over the course of a couple turns without you having to invest a whole lot into it. Rekindling Phoenix was played to like I think the best success in that red black aggro mid rangey deck that we had around our devastation. Yeah. 
And Rekindling Phoenix always net you some sort of card advantage. It was always a two for one or a three for one. Or like if you take, you know, damage output in the mix, it could even be like a four for one over the case of like two turns. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of one card that does everything you want it to. It chump blocks really well because it just comes back. It puts a really fast clock on. It takes a lot of resources from your opponent to handle it. Or it gets advantage out of the engine a little bit different way. Instead of providing you with extra resources, it's requiring your your opponent to sink a whole bunch of resources into it to take care of it. Yeah. This next one I kind of grouped all together and we've kind of touched on them is the mana engines. And that's kind of what exists in standard now. Mm-hmm. And that's Nissa who shakes the world, fires of invention, and wilderness reclamation. They mm-hmm. just are all they just all give you a giant mana advantage. You end up with yeah. way more mana effectively than you should have for that part of the game. Yeah, I think like all three of these jump you from turn four to turn seven immediately. You just like skip two turns. Yeah. And that just lets you do a lot of really big stuff way earlier than you should yep and then the last one is i have loris and priest but really like loris is just its own engine yeah by itself Um, yep and we'll talk about the companions in a little bit here but yeah loris is you combine it with i mean like the card says anything that has a low cmc and it turns it into an engine yeah so you know anything with like a sack outlet turns Loris into just about cat oven. Yeah, or right the the Myers grasp dead weights like oh I just mm-hmm. have turned my Loris into a removal Machine. spell every turn. Yep. So these particularly like cat oven Nissa fires Wilderness reclamation Oko field of the mm-hmm. these are the cards and the interactions that have defined magic for the last year, yeah. year and a half. Yep, something like that. All right, these are the things that have really, like, this is what you have to do to be competitive. Right. And we were, like, you know, we went through and we made a list of some old engines or old decks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And something that kind of struck me about the engines that we have now is there's no punishment for setting up your engine. Where, yeah, there's not really a downside to having any of those cards in your deck. Yeah, where it used to be sometimes like like Jeskai Ascendancy was a mm-hmm. three-mana enchantment, and when it came into the battlefield, didn't do anything unless you cast a spell. Mm-hmm. So like at some point, you had to like... You couldn't just on turn three pay three mana and play your Jeskai Ascendancy, mm-hmm. and it didn't do anything. So you just took right. your turn three off. But a lot of these, right, Nissa gives you a 3-3 three, three or two mm-hmm. mana right. on turn five. Well, really both. Right. Fires of Invention immediately pays for itself. Mm-hmm. And Wilderness Recla- Reclamation immediately pays for itself. So right. as long as they resolve... You're getting something out of them. You're getting something. You're getting your investment back. And Cat Oven is so cheap that... It doesn't matter, right? Like you're not putting right. that much of an investment in. Yeah. And a lot of times, like you're on the play and you go, Mountain, which is oven. Right. Okay, cool. You like you knew it was gonna resolve. 
Yeah. Right? So there's no downside. Like, Field of the Dead was hit a land drop. Just play a mm-hmm. land. You're good. Yep. So there's no downside. Like, the engines don't have something holding them back. Yeah. And really kind of is, is, is different than the engines that we have kind of seen previously. Like, if you look at Wild Growth Walker, Jade Light Ranger, one, yeah. they're both creatures, and two, for Wild Growth Walker to be good, you had to just play the cards that said Explore on them. Yeah, and some of them weren't good. Like, yeah. was it Seeker's Squire? Yeah, the is, one, two. Yeah, it's not a good magic card. Yeah, but it worked really well with Wild Growth Walker, so you were like, all right, I'll yeah. play this. So you had to make concessions. Mm-hmm. And so we racked our brains for, I guess, almost six years worth of magic playing <laughs> knowledge Yeah, to think about all the different engines that kind of popped up. Yep. And the first one you had that was like a real deck. Like the reason that I included this one is because it was the first time I saw a deck shift into an engine. Yeah. So like back in cons, we had an Obzon mid-range deck that was just, I mean, it was good, but it was like just a mid-range deck. And then as time went on, people started including the Den Protector Deathmiss Raptor engine. So Deathmiss Raptor, if it's in your graveyard, it's a 3-3 death touch. If it's in your graveyard and you turn a morph face up, you get to get it back out of your graveyard for free. Onto the so battlefield, people, face up or face down. Right, yeah, you got the pick. And Den Protector, when it gets turned face up, nets you a card out of your graveyard. So you can just kind of keep forming loops with Death, Death Mist Raptor and Den Protector, where you can, you know, if your opponent's attacking, you flip your Den Protector at instant speed, Death Mist Raptor comes in, you know, you surprise block something, it's got Death Touch, so it's a removal spell, it goes away, and you get back like a different den protector or something with your den protector and you just start to loop over again. Yeah. Before that, like I said, it was kind of just, just a mid range deck. It, it was a good mid range deck, but it was just a mid range deck. And then once people started including that engine, the archetype kind of split a little bit and you had like a control style abs on deck that ran like Elspeth and stuff in it. And then you had like an aggro deck that didn't rely so much on the death miss Raptor but in order to beat that, they had to go under it. So they ran cheap stuff. Like a uh, so warden of the first tree was like the yeah. level up guy. And there was like a, what was the Rakshasa death dealer? Was that the cat that you pumped? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So they ran a lot of smaller stuff to try and like get underneath before, you know, the bigger decks could set their, their death misraptor engine up. Like I said, that was kind of the first, the first deck that I could think of where, like it's okay here's the engine this is the way to build the deck and it like actually changed the deck yeah i had on here like i mentioned jeskai ascendancy which was a three minute enchantment for blue white red that whenever you cast a spell you have to untap your creatures and your Mm -hmm. creatures got plus one plus one Mm -hmm. and then you also got to draw a card and discard a card right so it didn't give you mana unless you played spells with convoke where your creatures can tap to cast them Mm-hmm. but it gave you cards. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it had the downside of one, you didn't do anything yeah. when you played it. And two, you had to build a deck that was very spell heavy. Yeah. So you and, wanted things like raise the alarm that aren't great. Yeah. Constructed cards and made you go wide. So you had to play a bunch of little token makers. Yep. And 
right? That was a deck that was kind of combo-y, kind of an engine, but like the thing that made the deck run was mm-hmm. Ascendancy. And yeah. like I said, like you would pay three mana and tap out and the card didn't do anything, mm-hmm. which is a far cry from what we see now. Right. These are a little out of order, but they were just yeah. kind of two two other examples that I could think of of engines that people might be familiar with. The first one kind of takes the whole engine thing to an extreme where instead of just including an engine in your deck, your deck becomes your engine. And that's uh, the Seasons Past Dark Petition. It was like a green-black control deck back in like Shadows Kaladesh standard. In the uh, Dark Petition, you'd tutor up your Seasons Past with... And then your seasons passed, you'd cast and get back your dark petition with whatever else was in your graveyard, which then lets you tutor your seasons pass back up because the seasons pass goes back into your deck after you've cast it. And kind of the only thing that it asked of you was that you play a bunch of stuff with different mana costs because seasons pass gets back things out of your graveyard with different CMCs. So instead of like just having, you know, your engine pieces together, kind of your entire deck becomes the engine. In a lot of ways, that's a lot like what the sacrifice decks are now, where, sure, you have the cat in the oven as your you know, your pieces to put together, but really the whole deck becomes an engine because everything in there relies on that that mechanic that, you know, you're sacrificing. So you want Mayhem Devils and you want card draw and, you know, whatever else you're doing. You want some recursion. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the Seasons Past deck, sure, you had the Dark Petition Seasons Past and then that was technically the engine, but the whole deck be kind of came part of it. Also, only one person could win with it, and it was John Finkel. And like, I loved that deck. And the deck was really hard to play. Yeah, right. It's it was yeah. it was not a deck you could just pick up. This was a Finkel deck. I thought this was a Sam Black list. Finkel top aided with it. I'm like almost positive. Okay. Like I think it was like he top aided with it, and he was like the only person at that PT to do well with it. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. It's Finkel. Yeah. But like here, like your, you know, your constraint is like your seasons past. If it's in your opening hand, doesn't do anything. Right. Right. Like you've got to make it to turn seven, eight, nine before you can cast it and have it do anything. Right. And dark petitions, a five mana tutor. Like that's not even playable unlimited. Yeah. It's no, <laughs> no, no, it's not. So, right. Constraint. And right. then we had some mechanics that kind of for that like built engines. Mm-hmm. So you have like uh, the energy mechanic, yeah, which gave us uh, Aetherworks Marvel. Mm-hmm. Which again, that's another deck that the whole deck just was there to feed the Marvel. Right, right. You played some bad cards. Woodweaver's Puzzle Knot's a two mana artifact that gave you three life and three energy, or two life and three energy. Or is it yeah. two and three and two or something? And then you sacked yeah. it to get the same effect again, which was enough energy for you to spin the wheel with the Marvel. Mm-hmm. So like your turn two was get energy and some life. Your turn three was get energy and some life. And your turn four was play the Marvel, cross your fingers and hope you hit something. Yeah. I mean, some of those Marvel lists even wanted more than four of that garbage card and we're playing like the blue puzzle knots alongside the yeah, green ones. That scry. Yeah. 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 They just wanted to have more like turns to like use their Marvel. Right. But again, the Marvel had a fail case. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you hit an Ulamog. Sometimes yep. you hit a Woodweaver's puzzle knot. <laughs> 
Yeah. And you're like, wow, I spent four turns to cast to set up a weaver's puzzle knot to to cast a two drop and hope I don't die to do it again. Yeah. And then you have teamer energy, right? Which I think kind of the the engine payoff in that card deck was uh, Bristling Hydro. Mm-hmm. Right, that was a two green green for a four three that we paid three energy and it got plus one plus one and heck got a plus one plus one counter and yep. got hex proof. And it gave you three energy when it entered. Yes, so it gave you enough energy to activate it once. So yep. if they build up energy and then played a bristling hydra, you could never kill it. Mm-hmm. And the whole game just became about you throwing stuff in front of the hydra. Yeah. And they also had Long Tusk Cub, which also made and used energy. Mm-hmm. So they had kind of two angles of attack where they had things building energy like Long Tusk Cub, and it could just get so big that it became a you know the abyss. It became a six a two mana six six. Yeah. They gained you energy every turn. Yeah. And then the bristling hydra just became giant and unkillable. Mm-hmm. So you had these two things that were using your energy and just generating you card advantage from being big or ener- or making energy. Yeah. Because ener- your removal spells used energy, and then yeah. they ran like confiscation coup that let you steal stuff for energy. And yep, I yeah. definitely had a Godfather's gift confiscation coup by um, Carlos Ramal in, in DC. Oof. Yeah, I was four zero. Yeah. Three zero, and he came off his. Uh, like platinum pro nice. buys and uh, I was like gift get something no. back and he was like confiscation coup and I was like cool I guess no. we're done here uh, <laughs> yeah uh, and then like winding constrictor as like mm-hmm. another like card well, it plays both sides of the coin it yeah. nets you more energy and nets you more counters when you use the energy so you used it alongside like we said long tusk cub bris- bristling hydra but also like glint sleeve siphoner is a way to, you know, get your head on cards. Yeah. Now, all of these things we mentioned, other than the Marvel, all creatures. Mm-hmm. Right. And the engines that are currently in standard are enchantments, yeah. which is usually yeah. no way to interact with game one in standard. Yeah. Or planeswalkers. <laughs> so things have shifted. Just a little the, bit on the on the uh, side of of the engines. Mm-hmm. So I went back through like old PT lists. Kind of, I was looking for some interesting data, and I didn't find a whole lot. But what I did get to do was kind of go back and think about some of the decks that were around, mm-hmm. and like the engines that were in those that we could kind of compare. Now, okay. one thing that came across is that. Aggressive decks have done really, really well in yeah. uh, in Pro Tours uh, over the last, like, five or six years. Imagine that. Yeah. So, right, you had um, maybe the first kind of, like, engine unto itself or, like, Planeswalker that gave you, like, crushing value cheap was 4-mana Gideon. Gideon Allies. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Where you're just, like, it resolved and you're just like, oh. They're going to make a 2-2 and another 2-2. And this is just infinite 2-2s, right? But then you had, like, so that was for Battle for Zendikar. There were 16 Gideons minimum. There were four decks with four Gideons in the top eight of 
PTBFZ. That's right? a lot. It, that's a lot. And I might have not counted all the ones that had two. Then for we had so I did like the small standard, so the first PT of the season and the last PT of the season. And so by the time Eldritch Moon came around, we had Duskwatch Recruiter was kind of the engine card. So you yeah. had all these collected company decks that were thirty creatures or seventeen creatures or twenty six creatures with Duskwatch Recruiter as their engine. Mm-hmm. And then like uh, the only other, then we go through like some aggressive, per- an aggressive period. Yeah. With vehicles. That's still going on. <laughs> yes. With like vehicles and Ramanop Red. Yeah. But then you have like the Hour of Devastation Pro Tour, uh, which was, you know, won by Ramanop Red. But you had Wine Constrictor mm-hmm. as an engine and then like Crypt yep. Breaker, right? One mana, one, one, and then pay one and a black. Tap. Make a zombie. Discard a card, make a zombie. Mm-hmm. And then pay, tap three zombies and pay a life to draw a card. Yep. Right. That card is an engine unto itself, but it also is a 1 1. Right. So it's easy to interact with. It's easy to interact with. And on some level, it doesn't do, it doesn't do anything the turn it comes out because all of its abilities right. are tap abilities. Well, I mean, if you already have zombies, if you already does. have zombies, it can draw a card. Yeah. But, right. Like it's not, it's not like it instantly pays you back. Right. PT Ixalan was all energy all the time. It was yeah. four color energy, Hydra and Cub all over the place. But I think it was won by Saltai energy. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was just all energy decks. That's all it was. Yeah. Right? It was flying Hydras, right? No, no, no. Well, that was when flying Hydras was a deck. But the four color energy was like Harness Lightning. Well, no, I meant the Saltai energy. Wasn't that Flying Hydras? Uh, I don't think. So there's Four Color Energy, Teamer Energy, Ramanop Red, Mardu Vehicles. Oh, a simpler time. <laughs> uh, is this it? No. Peter Gorglovsky's Four Color Energy. Jeskai Approach. Oh, yeah. We were not Flying Hydras. Okay. We were Siphoners, Hostage Takers, Long Test Cub. Remember Rishkar, Pima Renegade? I do, yeah. Would that card be playable now? Nope. Roger Fighter would be. Yes. Uh, one, the Scrabble God. Walking Even if energy the... wasn't a thing. <laughs> yes. You'd still play a three mana three to the Drea card. And then Wine and Constrictor. So yeah, just like, yeah. just basically black green that we splashed a Scarab God and some Hostage Takers in. Man, I'm getting nostalgic. Can we go back in time? I feel like the standard Forget was better. Nonsense and yeah. Remember we had like a braid. Yeah. Imagine if we had a braid. Like, cat oven would be like unplayable. Yeah. Like, hmm, this kills whatever you play, or the oven. I think yeah. I'm good. <laughs> um, like I re- like those the last two that we talked about, our and Ixalan. Like I have fond memories of that time. Yeah. Even though you know Marvel was broken and needed multiple bands and people complained about it like i really enjoyed that red black uh like aggro mid-range deck and i really enjoyed those sultai energy decks well you were playing red black and i was playing um paradoxical outcome oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah good times so also going through like the magic event archives right you do not like 
understand how things have changed until yeah. you are going through and you're like doop doop do do and you're like oh there's four pts a year and then you get to last year and it's a pt and then six mythic championships she's <laughs> like which one am i supposed to look at yeah like what is this and then you have um mono red red black for dominaria yeah and then uh guilds was mm-hmm. that one weekend where red white aggro was the best deck <laughs> and there were like six yeah. of them in the top eight yeah and then it did nothing else and then it did nothing else and then mythic championship five is where like we start to move into the engine times yeah where it was bank golos a bunch of aggro decks mm-hmm. because they beat up on uh field of the dead so right. like questing beasts and whatnot to get around tutus. Mm-hmm. And then we had the beginnings of the food times. Yeah. Where Andre Mangucci and uh, Yellow Hat. Uh, mm-hmm. Gabriel Nassif. Gabriel Nassif. There we go. I can't think what his name was. Played uh, food with four Okos and four Nisses. Yeah. I was looking at like Planeswalkers as kind of like, you know, value engine cards. Yeah. A and, lot of them are. And for the most part, most PTs in the main deck have between one and two and a half planeswalkers. Yeah, with most of them being around one. Yeah, most of them right around one. Right. So yeah. on average, like in a top eight, there would be eight planeswalkers total in the top eight in the main decks. Mm-hmm. Then you have uh, guilds, which was 0.5, because I think one person played Fort Fairy Control. Yeah. And everyone else played Dauntless Bodyguard. <laughs> and then yeah. you had uh mythic championship five so this is when you have war of the spark and throne of eldrain mm-hmm. in and it jumps from kind of the let's say the historical average is two yeah or 1.7 or something yeah to between three and a half and four i think it was like 30 or 31 planeswalkers yeah. And that was with a mono red deck and a Ken Yuki Hero special. Yeah. With Steel Claw Lance. Oh boy. Remember that one? I do. Yeah. So those two decks were in there. So no Planeswalkers in the main. Right. But it was like multiple Teferis and Nisses and Okos. So we went from an average of two to, to almost four. To almost four. Yeah. And. Of course, the last players tour we did was Pioneer. So mm-hmm. I have no standard data. Okay. Yeah. Just a, a a quarantine gut check real quick. Okay. How long ago does uh, the first weekend in February feel? Because I was like, oh, what are these? And I was like, oh my God, I haven't thought about these or anything in years <laughs> and it was like two months ago or three months ago. Oh, how the world has changed. It's like the end of January, beginning of February. And I was like, what was this? This was a million <laughs> years ago. Yeah. I went to an event right after that. Ah, what are events? Yeah. Well, just get ready for the summer because we're going to have Ecoria, Jumpstart, Core 21, the Commander Draft Set, 
and Return to Zendikar all within like five months of each other. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, less than that, like four months? Cause well, no, because Zendikar is going to be September, right? Yeah, but when does oh, Ikoria God, come yeah, out for real? It comes out two in weeks. two weeks. Yeah. So Holy moly. May 18th is like pre-release. Yeah. And then the end of September is going to be the release of Zendikar. Zendikar. Wow. So that's four months for like six products. Yeah. Holy moly. This is going to be the summer where Wizards goes, wow, people don't have infinite money to buy (laughs) every product. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to buy any Jumpstart stuff. I don't know. Unless they have like a busted land for. for depths. For depths in it. It was like, oh, wait, this, it's hatched for black and green. It makes a creature unblockable. Oh, oh I got to buy all these. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. And I can fetch it. Oh, yeah. It's a swamp forest that <laughs> comes into play untapped. Oh, yeah, sure. But so, like, just to, like looking at it historically, you see this big jump in yeah. Planeswalkers. And it's only one data point, so a trend it does not make. But right. if there was a PT tomorrow Mm -hmm. right i'm pretty sure that you would have this many if not more like planeswalkery engines in your main deck in in your top eight yeah i mean if you count companions yeah you would have more than that i think oh yeah if you counted companions as kind of like you know an uninteractable like piece right which is kind of what we're talking about planeswalkers as yeah they're like you can interact with them, but they always get you their value. Right. And that's what companions do as well. Right. right. So we, we've broached this as kind of a, this isn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Having all these engines is not a good thing. So like, why, why does it feel bad? Well, it's bad for a couple different reasons. The first one that immediately popped into my head was that it takes some of the fun out of deck building. Because instead of, you know, oh, this card's sweet. I think I want to play with the new, you know, whatever, Space Godzilla. Instead of, you know, finding a sweet card and saying, oh, this will make a cool deck. If you're doing anything that's even remotely mid-range, like, you have to pick an engine first. So instead of just brewing around, like, if you wanted to make a Space Godzilla deck, in order to compete, you'd have to find an engine first that you could play Space Godzilla in. In addition to like the constraint that it puts on you want to play in terms of like, I've got to build an engine. Mm -hmm. These engines also put a constraint on the rest of the format. Mm -hmm. If what you're doing isn't powerful, isn't big enough to keep up with the engine. If you don't have one, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Right. So you can have the best space Godzilla deck in the world. Right. But if Mm -hmm. it like, can't deal with like 10 mana from a fires on turn five. Right. What? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's like, Hey, I spent, I tapped five, I tapped five lands and played space Godzilla. And your opponent's like, lol. I played two, five drops and then had five mana left over to scry to set up my next draw. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Six, six, uh, trampler though. Right. It's like, Oh, That's a really good point. It uh, it definitely hampers the entire format. Right. It pushes a lot of decks out. So we were talking 
beforehand. We've both been on slightly different lists of like blue black flash. Mm-hmm. Great kind of a oddly enough, like that's a super fringy deck. I'm kind of surprised that we were both randomly on it. Yeah, we had not consulted one another. I would have <laughs> tried to save you. Uh, yeah, but right, the deck's fine. I think that that deck existing two years ago, mm-hmm. like you know, it would have to tweak some to handle the more aggressive decks. But I think like right. would be a good deck. But mm-hmm. now you're just like. Oh, if anything ever resolves, I just get clowned. Right. And then eventually you run out of like discard spells and counter spells and mm-hmm. they resolve an engine piece and you're like, oh. Yeah. I'm I'm done now. Mm-hmm. Also has the problem of can never beat a resolve to fairy, not in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the same problem with priests. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh priests have forgotten. Oh, we're dead. Pick him up. Yep. Yeah. Like, I'm going to try to fight yeah. through this and become more angry as we go. I should just pick them <laughs> up. But it does really, like, limit what is playable. Like, there's always a limit on, like, what the best deck is. Yeah. But, like, these really push down certain archetypes. Yeah. So, like, Standard has really, like, bifurcated a lot recently into the hyper-aggressive Right, like and then about, the super big, and then the super big. But the thing yeah. is, the super big used to be, you know, remember that like Ulamog ramp deck? I do. Yeah, that took like their first four turns off casting ramp spells. Yeah, that just was just like didn't interact at all for four yeah, turns. Explosive vegetation, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Ulamog, right? Yeah. Like if Ulamog, the exact card Ulamog was in this format, it would get cast on turn five consistently. Yeah. Be with like, Nissa, oh. absolutely. Yeah, it's just like, oh, I went, I mean, like, that's a deck in Pioneer right now, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, I went like Paradise Druid into something, into something, into Nissa on turn four. Ulamog, right. you were done, right? It's like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that deck, it used to be that when, you know, when you went big, you took turns off. Right. And people could get under you with like, you know, a reasonable curve of creatures. Mm-hmm. And now like you're, you've gotten to big on turn four. Yeah. You're like, Oh, Hey, I have everything I could ever want on turn four. Turn five, eight, eight crisis four life, four cards. Yeah. Or, you know, turn four, like I said, play a three, three, um, I'm sorry, a four, four Sphinx after I played my fires. Yeah. Scry something at the bottom land. Five drop, five drop, give them haste and trample, kill you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I played a three, four for three, which I thought was <laughs> busted, but I guess I was wrong. It's like, oh, I played my thrashing brought on, but I had a, but I had a temple, so I couldn't activate it. So I just lost the game. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, oh, cool. Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. Right. So like, it really pushes things out, like things that would like, yeah. Like the, I think the gulf between like tier one and tier two is a lot bigger now. Yeah, definitely. Because like the tier two decks just get clowned. It used to be yeah. that you could be like tier two and like tune your deck and you would be like, you could like have some game. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, no, no, you can't, you can't have any game now. You have to build your deck to have an engine you can't just start with a cool card or something because you just won't be competitive yeah 
So it kind of stifles diversity, I guess, is what we're saying. Like yeah. in the format and in deck building. Yes. That's probably a pretty good way to put that. Yeah, I think it just it just limits diversity because you have to have an engine or you have to be able to compete with the engine. Yeah. And the engines um, are so good you can't compete with them. And as we kind of touched on earlier, I think that this is part of the reason why companions are so problematic right now is that your deck doesn't necessarily, even though a lot of them do, um, your deck doesn't necessarily have to have the engine in it anymore because a lot of the companions are just engines. Yeah. Now, a lot of them also have a really good engine that it pairs with, but like that's also problematic because you don't have to have your engine in your deck anymore. You don't get to interact with their engine through traditional means. Right? Right. You can only react interact like on the stack or on the battlefield like you can't discard them and mm-hmm. the fact that it's always there that you right. that they always know they're gonna draw it and like when the game starts you know exactly how the game's gonna play out and mm-hmm. you're like oh if i don't draw my counter spell they're gonna resolve their companion and get some value or if I don't yeah, have my like, re- removal spell, it's going to stick around for two turns and it's going to bury me. We were talking before the show about the blue-black flash deck and you had mentioned that on turn three, you have to leave a counterspell up for Loris. Well, if you leave your counterspell up and they obviously see that you've left a counterspell up, like they don't have to cast their Loris. They can do something else. Like They haven't drawn the Loris, so they're not like out a card or anything. And then you still have to leave up your counterspell for Loris the next turn. Yeah. Or the next turn. And you're just perpetually behind because you've got to answer whatever they're do- actually doing, plus leaving interaction up for something that's you know is coming at some point. Yeah, you have you're in this situation always where, you know, three weeks ago it'd be like if every game you mulligan to six. Right. Right. You know, like you every game you ever played where you always you mulligan to six and you always feel like you're a little behind the whole game. Yeah. When your opponent has a comp- companion, you always feel a little behind. But then when yeah. the companion, not only were they up that card, but then the companion is Loris and they play a spell or two over the course of two turns from their graveyard, like draws mm-hmm. them two spells. Or yeah. Urian, which they've built their deck to take advantage of it, but mm-hmm. comes in and blinks four things. And right. those four things each give them a card's worth of value. Yeah. So you played a five mana, four or five flyer that you always draw that draws you four cards. Right. Same oh. thing with Karuga out of the fires decks. Yeah. They have like a Teferi that stuck around. They have their fires out. And like I played fires, I guess it was in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, in, maybe in January. And... Like, I lost to Green Black Adventures because I stuck my fires and then never drew a threat. Right. That doesn't happen now. Right. Because you, you, have, you always have access to that threat, and that threat also draws you a card three or four or two. cards. Yeah. 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 So you're always going to get some, some value back from it. Mm-hmm. So if you look at companions like engines, Right. And the fact that you always draw your engine, right? Like if you play against Team of Reclamation, you can hope they don't draw their Wilderness Reclamation. 
Right. Or you can on turn three play a discard spell mm-hmm. to try to make sure that they don't have the mana to cast it if it is in their hand. But like you don't have that same option with the companions. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that like engines like this tend to like progress the game the same way every single time. Yes. Which kind of leads to like a stale format and not something that you want to jump into, right? You definitely get to like every game against this is also a companion thing, right? You see mm-hmm. Karu- Karuga as your opponent's companion. Yep. You're 90% sure they're on fires. Yeah. So you know the game comes down to, you know, on some level, if they stick their fires, mm-hmm. you know how the game has to play out as soon as you sit down and you see the companion. Yeah. And the game oftentimes just plays out that way. Yep. Right? Just over and over and over again. Like, you're like, oh, team wreck. Okay. Yeah. I guess we're doing this. So you end up with, like, repetitive game states because everyone's playing similar engines. So mm-hmm. even if you're, you know, if you're playing against Team Wreck, right, the game revolves around them sticking a four mana enchantment, which then gives them effectively infinite mana. Yep. Fires revolves around them sticking a four mana enchantment, which effectively gives them infinite mana. Yeah. And the games are all the same. It's like cheap interaction into four mana thing into giant stuff. Mm -hmm. And so all the games play out the same because it's like, oh, you know, I'm playing red. So I have bone crusher giant as my cheap interaction. Right. And in Jeskai, they play deafening clarion in teamer. They play flame sweep. Mm -hmm. All right. I've got my three mana sweeper. I've got some two mana interaction. Coast is clear. Stick my four mana thing. Yep. Engine online go. And they protect it differently and get there a little bit differently, but it all kind of goes back to the same thing. And the yep. Nissa decks are like not so much interaction a lot of times as just like like roadblock creature, roadblock creature, Nissa. I have infinite mana. Now I do big thing. Yep. So you get these exact same board states or exact same games. You've changed the names on the cards, but the yeah, play but patterns stay else. the same. Yeah. You know, magic's about different experiences. Yeah. And when the experience is all like, oh, I got my two drop killed. They uh, cast a sweeper for my three drop. They played their enchantment. Oh, mm-hmm. right. And, you know, Jeskai fires, they play a Teferi and bounce your thing. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. bummer. Then they draw a card and they're closer to their fires. Team where they're like, Uro, gain three life, which, you know, kind of bounces whatever your two drop or your three drop was. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Draws themselves a card, gets one card closer to their Wilderness Reclamation. Like, you have very similar, like, play patterns. Yep. Right. When I went through and was counting all of the Planeswalkers, I was also counting the creatures because I feel like engines are kind of eliminating the, like, classic, like, mid-rangey creature decks. Yeah. Right? Like, so we think about cons, you think about, like, Obzon, right? Mm-hmm. Which was, you know, the first versions were Llanowar Elf into, like, Fleece Mainline or Anafenza into Siege yeah. Rhino. And then Wingmate Rock, right? They were 25, 
20 to 25 creature decks depending on how they were built right right and the games came down to i think it's called attacking and blocking <laughs> that's right? the thing you do in uh w- with your draft deck right that's the thing you do in a draft deck right you yeah. like do i have good attacks how can i line this up right in these engine decks it's like you know maybe f- fires will attack you but they attack you for 20 yeah all at once and you're like i guess i can block and then die next turn yeah right and wilderness reclamation is just like i'm gonna fireball you you for 18 yeah i'm gonna fireball you for 10 draw my other fireball and fireball you for 10 again yeah even like uh the loris decks like the aggro slanted engine decks like the sacrifice decks and stuff even those a lot of times don't come down to combat damage they come down to you know recurring a cat over the course of six turns or bringing a scorpion back over the course of six turns exactly you like I was playing, I was playing like a, a Mardu version of the deck against mm-hmm. like the white black version, and we had battlefields full of creatures. Neither yeah. one of us attacked. He right. had two priests. I didn't have one. I yeah. lost. I guess priest is <laughs> priest is also an engine. I guess priest with Loris. We already said, but yeah. like you just have like you're like oh, like you don't attack and block anymore. Like right. the attack step is kind of removed. Like when you do yeah. attack, you're attacking either with something that has evasion, so mm-hmm. you don't need to worry about combat math. Right. It's like a six six flyer is bigger than anything they can put in the air. I'm safe to attack. Mm-hmm. Or you play like an Uro, and you're like, "Well, I have to attack because it draws me a card and gains me three <laughs> gains life me and three life and land the play." Like yeah. it'd be dumb not to attack, and if they want yeah. to throw two or three creatures in front of my six six to kill it i will use the land that i put into play to recast it from my graveyard yeah so right you just have all these like you've just eliminated basic combat because Mm -hmm. they're just not there's no reason to right the number of times i've gone to the concede button but like arena now doesn't let you concede if you're like in the middle of dying it used to be like it used to be like there'd be you would just be like let's say you had no creatures, right? Yeah. And your opponent is attacking you for twenty out of fires. Yeah. Right. And you can't block your and they you know Oh like, yeah, yeah. You go to hit concede and they're like, No, you have to watch this. <laughs> you have to watch them hit you and take all your life total. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want I know it's gonna I don't wanna watch it. It's like oh, <laughs> You know what you did wrong. It's like, I tried to attack and block. That's what I did wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Arena. Sparky, don't We're gonna make me look. punish you. <laughs> yeah. Sparky's like, watch. It's like a <laughs> clockwork orange. Sparky holds your eyes open. He's like, ah. So, um, yeah, you can't. Like, there's like a point where they're like, no, you're too far gone now. You must give them the satisfaction of watching the life drain from your life counter. Yeah, um, and then afterwards, the faces will come up on the screen. Did you enjoy this game? Like, what do you think? I hit the <laughs> t- I hit the gear six times, and you wouldn't let me open it. No, I didn't enjoy it. And then I also have down here that, like, games end before they end. Right? Yeah. Like, the engine gets set up, and you're just like, oh, my God. Like, There's no way I'm coming back from this. I can't win. And yeah. then four turns later, you die, right? Your opponent yeah. sticks to the wilderness reclamation, 
And then they're like, a baby explosion for four to draw four more cards. And, oh, I'm going to cast some uh, growth spirals and try to find. And you're just like watching them like spin the wheels. Yeah. And you know it's done. Right. You're like, oh, oh, you didn't find anything. You're just going to play an Uro out of your graveyard. Yeah. Sweet. They don't have their explosion in hand and they cast uh, Thassa's Intervention for like eight. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I bet you, I bet you know what you have now. Yeah. Right. So, like, the games just kind of end before they're over. Yeah. Right? Like, and you have to play it out because you're not 0% to win the game. You're 20% to win the game. Yeah. So, like, you can't just concede. Well, you can. I have. (laughs) But I've looked at my hand. I've looked at the board and gone, like, I'm 5%. No. So, you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. So, you're telling me there's a chance? It's like, I am. It's like, good. I'm in there. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not a good chance. Yeah, no, you're done. So, like, you know, they stick an Uro early. You know, our Saltai deck, right, was kind Mm -hmm. of built to stick a turn four Uro. Right. Right. You stick a turn four Uro and you just look at your opponent and you're like, yeah, that's a thing. And they're just like, oh, if I can't answer this in a turn, the game is effectively done. Yep. And if they, and they, you know, it's like, oh, I, I attacked. Right. How many times did you like attack with an Uro and just like insta conceded? Someone conceded to you. You're like, oh, yeah. I Almost forgot. every time. This is great. Right. Yeah. So, right. Like games, games get to done well before they should. And mm-hmm. like you're so far ahead, like you lose the like, oh man, I was behind and I clawed my way back. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times these engines get set up and they don't let you claw your way back. Right. But they're not like a combo deck that just wins the game. Mm-hmm. Like it's a slow bleed. Yeah. They virtually won the game. Yeah, they virtually won the game. But uh, what do they they call them? Virtual kills in like modern? Yeah. Like you're like, oh, Dredge virtually kills you on turn like four or three. And sometimes that's not fast enough because they get comboed out. Yeah. Right? There, there's no combo deck to like catch up and like punish the the fires decks for not being able to cast spells at instant speed. Right. You know, it's like, maybe that's the, maybe that's the wilderness reclamation deck that does that, but it's a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's like, we've built all these engines. They've printed all these cards that you just read and you're like, why is this a card? Yeah. Right. Or you don't see it initially. Cause like I thought fires was like, whatever until someone was like, you just get 10 mana on turn five. And it's like, oh, oh yeah, that's a lot of mana. Well, I think that was like, if you, I haven't gone back to listen, but if you look at our um, Eldraine set review episode, we talked about fires and that's exactly what we said is that fires is going to like fires being good is going to depend on how many five drops are good. Yeah. And your deck is going to be built around casting five drops. Yeah. And it turns out the Cavaliers were good enough for that. Yeah. I mean, the one that, like, when you looked at, like, Cavalier of Flame, you're like, there's no way that you're ever going to play three red, 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 red. Did I get four reds in there? To, like, play yeah. the Cavalier and give it haste all in the same turn. Yeah. But when you pay zero for it, yeah. Paying one and a red for a seven five haster is pretty good. Great. Yeah pretty good so yeah you just have games that end and just like 
they aren't fun. They get to a point where they stop being fun because mm-hmm. you know you're dead. Yeah. It's almost like, you know that point against a control deck where, like, you're down to, like, one card? And uh-huh, they have, and they've got four. Yeah, but they have no board presence yeah. or anything, and you're like, yeah, this game's done. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I guess for, like, respect of the game, I'm supposed to, like, play this out. Yeah. Because what if they're all lands? They never are. Yeah. Right? They never are. Like, that's where these games get. And, like, you know, I guess if you're playing the fire side or the reclamation side or the Nissa side, like, those games feel really good. Mm-hmm. Right? But, you know, it, you know, magic is kind of a zero fun equation a lot of times. <laughs> where it's that's like, true. Like, your fire opponent is having all of the fun. Yeah, and you're having none of the none fun. None of the fun. And it's like, oh, I wanted to play a game, but, like, I got swept, and then I rebuilt, and they played two spells. One was a Shatter of the Sky, and I got swept again. And yeah. then I guess I'm going to die now. Oh. Yep. So, yeah, like, Magic has just changed in that regard. Like, the engines mm-hmm. are very different than they used to be. These yeah, things were different. more easy to interact with. Like, and we didn't even, I don't know if we brought up, two of these are enchantments. Yeah. Right? Like, Mortify got played for a hot minute. But, yeah, like, that's no, true. no one's playing main deck enchantment removal. Nope. Right? Like, even Well, this- I mean, can you afford to when half of your engine is also a creature that you don't have to draw? No, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I've played against like black, white Loris decks that do play Mortify. Have you? I haven't yeah. seen that yet. Yeah, I got like my three drop flash guy mortified twice and I was like, Really? Oh, really? It's like, well I guess <laughs> if like you're worried about like wilderness wreck and fires. Yeah. Like just like fine I'll blow it up. Yeah. So we are not a huge fan of like the engine magic that has happened. At like, least recent engines. Like, yeah. I can kind of get behind, like, Jade Light Wild Growth kind of stuff where you're still playing, you know, a mid-range deck. But these new decks that build an engine and then just get huge, that's, I don't know. Yeah, I th- maybe it's, like, maybe the engines that are, like, small incremental advantages yeah. are fine. But when the engine... Just ends jumps up you being, to turn eight. Yeah, it just ends up being like overwhelming, because like, yeah. you know, your your engine with like Wild Growth Walker was really a plus one plus one counter, and you gain three life, right? Mm-hmm. You you got like a bigger creature, and you got a life buffer. Because Jade Light Ranger was still like the cards you drew from Jade Light Rangers was what the card did anyway. Right. right, so it wasn't like you like put A and B together. Like the A mm-hmm. and B was a plus one plus one counter and three life. Now, like a lot of times, the engines we put together are double your mana or draw effectively four cards. And mm-hmm. like Wildcat Oven seems like a small incremental advantage. Yeah, it is like strangely a clock. Well, it's not just a clock. In a lot of ways, it acts like. A lock piece. Yeah. Like you can attack on the ground for, with at least yeah. one creature. And right. it's just this slow, like, 
you know, they went like oven and then they played cat and you played like, you know, you, you played tap land and they played oven. Mm -hmm. You played a temple. They played cat. Yeah. And now you're just like, Oh, all right. I'm at 19. I'm at 18. Okay. I played, I played by three drop. I can't, I can't ever attack. Yeah. Okay. I'm at 17. And then so, they're doing other stuff as well. Yeah. You know how like they send you your stats like at the end of a season or whatever and tell you yes. how many times you drafted or whatever. I wonder how many times I've clicked on Witch's Oven. That's also another thing. Like they need to make that interface better cuz like just yeah. sitting there watching your opponent like the oven yeah. lights up, the cat lights up, <laughs> the oven lights up again, the cat yeah. goes away. The food yeah. lights up. The cat lights up. The food lights up. The cat comes <laughs> back. She's like, "Oh my gosh, can we can we hurry this up? Like, I know I'm gonna die." <laughs> yeah. Also, that's another one that like you don't like. You get to six, and you're like, "Oh man, I'm dead." Yeah. Because you're really at five, and if they had, yeah. God forbid, they have two ovens, it's like, "Oh, I'm just dead." Right. Like I have to. Like, oh, they're at 10, I'm at 6. They're really at, like, 14? Yeah. Because of cat trigger? Like, oh, I'm just, I can't catch up. Like, Death Wrist Raptor was a card, but mm -hmm. it was, like, a 3-3. Three, three. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't like you were getting free 5-5s. Five right. And, right, like, they could end the game, but again, it's a 3-3. Three, three. Like, you can, you can work your way out around it. Didn't have evasion, had death touch. Right. right, it wasn't like not free, true evasion. Yeah, it wasn't like a free five mana five five. Yeah, and I mean that, this is we're still talking about the format where Siege Rhino was played in every single deck, and like Siege Rhino, you already got your value out of, so you didn't really care if it traded with a Deathmiss Raptor. Yeah. yeah, and you still got some damage in with it, like even yep. if they blocked it, right? So it was a very different time, and I wish we could go back to like, you know. I used to complain that the the Abzan decks just felt like, what are the mythics in the set mm -hmm. that are green, black, and white? I'm just going to play those, and we're going to see how that yeah. works out. And so sometimes it was like, I don't know if this is so much deck building as just like, what are the most powerful cards? But, you know, now you like, I guess you have more cohesive decks, mm -hmm. but they also just are like, they do the same thing. Yeah, and like you said, there's no, there's not a whole lot of randomness anymore. You always know how the game's going to play out. Yes, you're like, there's going to be removal spell, removal spell, either resolve the thing or dig for it. Yeah. And then resolve it the next turn. Yep. So, yes. So there you go. Sorry if that last section was a little uh, old man yell at clouds and tell kids to get yeah. off their lawns. I think it was a little ranty, but again... Like it has applications because it certainly makes you look at the format in a different way, especially if this is the only format you've ever known. Like if you got into magic within the last year or so, this is the only magic that you remember. Yeah, and it's very and, different than magic of the past. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we'll get back to a point where it's not so engine y and, you know, there are some more traditional decks and maybe this will help you out if that day ever comes. Yeah. So. We had an idea for uh, kind of a content idea, mm -hmm. and we're going to put it out here. Uh, I think we're going to do one for yeah. sure, and we'll then we'll see how, see how people like it. 
So I had an idea for an adopt a deck project. Mm-hmm. So like stray decks like, lost in the wilderness. Yeah, like if one you hungry, fi- starving, cold. If you find a deck box on your front porch, you just have to bring it in and play that deck. Is yeah. how it goes. Uh, right. So Channel Fireball has moved a lot of their content recently to behind a paywall. Mm-hmm. So to Channel Fireball Pro. And one of the features that you get for going pro is you get what they call the deck vault. And what these deck vaults are is there are decks across multiple formats that are a deck list, a deck guide, and a sideboarding guide Okay. for various decks like I said, across multiple formats. So they have standard, uh, I've got to find all the other ones, but they have standard, legacy, modern, everything. Apparently LSV is going and doing the uh, vintage decks all on his own, so all the vintage deck lists. Oh, um, man. Oh, man. But they have those three people that still play vintage. The three people that he plays against in vintage leagues. Yeah. But what we thought is so these are all deck guides and deck lists from like pros. But, you know, what can you expect as like Joe Magic? Just like your average or slightly above average Magic player. So we Mm -hmm. thought what we could do each week is pick one of the decks from. CFB Pro, and then play that deck for a week yeah. and let you know kind of our thoughts on it and what matchups it has that are good, what matchups it has that are bad, things mm-hmm. we might change, and just give you an insight on a different deck each week. Mm-hmm. Kind of from the perspective of like us as a you know regular Joe Schmo instead of professional Hall of Famer. Yeah. Your win weight rate is probably going to be closer to mine than it will be to Huey Jensen's. Hell, your your wooden rate will probably be better than mine. <laughs> All right. But they have like 15 or 16 decks up on, on their site right now for standard. And I think yeah. we're going to pick one that we collectively have enough wild cards for yeah. and uh, put it together and kind of report back. And if you like this, we'll do more. Yeah. I think but that's a pretty good idea. I went to I went to the site because I was playing that blue black flash deck and I have the furthest I've made it in platinum is I've made it two clicks to the good in plat four to then only Ooh. go back to plat zero <laughs> and then make it two clicks to the good eventually and then go back to zero. So I'm like, well yeah. maybe I should play a real deck. Or at least a deck someone else has vouched for other than like my <laughs> pile. Yeah. So we're going to try that just to give you guys a sense of different decks. I think it'll be good for our sanity also. Yeah. Like I, I sometimes need to play something else. I have been much like uh, the cat who try hard, hard salt high was born from me trying to figure out how to like attack the nuttiness that is like current like arena standard. Mm-hmm. which is super low to the ground to get under the engines and then yeah. giant engines. I've been trying to think of how to do that in this current standard. Yeah, how's that working out for you? I like get like ideas that work against one thing that then yeah. just get clowned by the other. And I'm like, yeah. well, no, this is, not, this is not good. I ran into that problem the other day. I was trying to brew up a new list. 
because I remembered that when we were doing our set review episode, I kept referring back to a mythical Abzan list that I thought would be good. And then I tried to brew said list and it, I never even played a game with it. Like everything while I was building the list, I was like, Oh, this just loses to everything that goes bigger than it. Or, Oh, I just don't do anything until turn four and I lose to everything that goes under it. Yeah. It's like, I don't, you don't have all the, it doesn't feel like you have all the pieces unless you're playing blue and green. Right. To really get there. So that dream is not dead. I will see if I can come up with something. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I have some ideas for some cyborgy stuff. All right. But until then, we're just going to, uh, we're going to try some other people's lists and see mm-hmm. what we come up with. And like, maybe I will play a deck for more than a day. <laughs> so I can actually like get good with it because they have here Jeskai Cycling yeah. as the number three deck in the format. And the the afternoon I played with it, it did not feel like the number three deck in the format. But maybe I need to spend more than an afternoon with it. Yeah, and... I actually kind of like that deck a little bit. Hey, maybe we found our deck for the week. Okay, yeah, there we can we do that. We will, we will report back on Jeskai Cycling. And we're going to try, I think, with these to take it a little bit maybe deeper than some of the deck guides. And maybe yeah. like, hey, these are the hands you need to keep. This yes. Is, this is these are the things you need to do. If your hand looks like this, don't keep it. It's a trap. That's actually like really important, and I wish more people would do that because I've absolutely you know saw seen a list on uh, Twitter or something, and then you know built it on Arena, gone to play a game, and then looked at my opener and said to myself, I don't I don't know if this is a good hand or not. <laughs> yeah. So I remember the blue-red flash deck I played uh, into Oko, right? Yeah. And I would, uh, and when I was talking to people about it on Twitter, I'm like, "These are the hands you are allowed to keep. These mm-hmm. are allowed. Why you're allowed to keep them? If you don't have a shock or a mystical dispute, you must send the hand back." Yeah. Right. And the only way you know that is because I played that deck for three or four weeks all the time yeah. and I knew nope these are the things you're allowed to keep on the play these are the things you're allowed to keep on the draw and like being able to do something like that like hey we're playing the cycling deck you can't keep three lands and four cyclers mm-hmm. you've got to do something else so we're gonna we'll play that deck that deck is also super easy on the wild cards yeah it is so anyone who wants to like play more of a budget deck we can do some cycling. You know what? I'm going to spring this on you right here in the middle of the show. Oh, God. I can edit it out. <laughs> Would it be a good idea to like maybe finally launch a uh, casual try-hard Discord where maybe our listeners could build the decks alongside us? I mean... And talk about them kind of in real time? We have, we have a Discord. We I do. don't know how to add people to it, but we I have a I think you just like put... You get the you have to get an invite link and then just put the link out there. Okay, I can try to figure this out. So we will we will, we will work on that. Yeah, I like I'm giving my final right now as we speak. So okay. like come Friday at like noon, I will no longer have work type responsibilities. So Fantastic. I can maybe figure this out. Oh, invite your friends. Yeah. By clicking I think on that's all you have to do is get that link and then put the link out to there. To the server by clicking on a share button when you are ready. 
there we go. So yeah, so we can set that up, sure. Yeah, and then you know, on the show we can go over, you know, what our thoughts are and maybe what some of the other people's thoughts are, and yeah, try and come up with some some reasonable lists for people. There you go. So, arena time. Arena time. Yeah. We so, need some sweet music for when we say arena time. We do. The the ill-fated soundboard. Uh, one day. We'll yeah, one day. They're like, they're six, you're 69 episodes in. I think that day has passed. Uh, <laughs> so Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so there is, um, there was one thing that like we haven't seen an announcement for that just like kind of was. And that yeah, I think is, I sent you a message like randomly halfway through the week or something. Yeah. They've changed the progression through the ladder now. Yeah. So now in gold, you get two progress for every one game victory. So weird. And so it's just like going through silver where it's right. up to down one. Yep. So even if your win rate is like super medium, you make it through. Like if you're, a, if you're at 50%, you like tear through gold. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they did this to like get more people to be on arena. Right. Cause I can yeah. see that they have a bunch of data maybe where people get to gold and then stop playing. Could be. So maybe this is a way to encourage people to keep playing on the ladder. Yeah. So that was cool. That was yeah. a pleasant surprise. I thought it was a nice bonus. Uh, I thought my computer was broken the first time I saw it. <laughs> Not Arena, the computer. The computer <laughs> broke it. Hey, man, uh, I'm old. I don't know how these things work. There was also, uh, they did a sneak preview of some of the Historic Anthology uh, three cards. Okay, what are we getting? One is uh, everyone's favorite 1010 Indestructible for 10. Yeah, Big Daddy Ulamog. We're getting Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger. All right. And... Remember how we said it'd be really cool if they just like made the historic anthologies, you know, have pioneer cards in it? Yeah. Yeah, Phyrexian Obliterator is also in here. <laughs> sure. So, uh, <laughs> about that dream, that dream yeah. has died. Yeah, so you get Phyrexian Obliterator and you get Ulamogger, the two that have been um, spoiled. Have been spoiled. So. One that is kind of a pioneer card, and one that is not playable in any competitive format. Hey, man, get your Garys ready. Apparently, apparently they're like, man, you know what people need? Mono black aggro. Mono black aggro. Yeah. We can do to put it over the top, make it so your Garys always do 12. (laughs) It's like, hey, I'm going to play Gutter Bones into Timurat into... Have they given us Ayara. Night, have they give, uh, Ayara in the front yeah. seat obliterator into yeah. Gary? You're dead. Yep. All of the pips. I would like all of the pips, please. All of the pips. Like you read for Xena Obliterator and the card's nuts. Yeah. But it's just not playable. <laughs> I also they have the uh the extended art version of the cards. Oh yeah? And they're so bad. <laughs> they took the artwork on both of them. Yeah. And they were like, 
let's increase the size of this by 33%, but leave it centered in the exact same way so you lose the top, like, part of Phyrexian Obliterator. <laughs> really? <laughs> and we're going to cut off the top of Ulamog's head and, like, two of his fingers. You know, he, like, oh, has man. his hand sticking up. Yeah. Yeah, they just blew up the picture and, like, cut off, like, his head no longer is in the shot. Man. But it's borderless, so it's all good. <laughs> it's like these cards were already kind of borderless. Yeah, like, I mean, how old is how old is Phyrexian Obliterator? Like, the, I'm surprised they still have like rights to that artwork. It's from New Phyrexia. Really? I thought it was older than that. No, 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 no. yeah, I guess you're right. You're thinking about the one from like Urza's. This like oh sword yeah, of yeah, black yeah. Phyrexian when, Negator. Yeah, whenever it's dealt damage, yeah. you sack permanents. Yeah. Where Obliterator is, whenever it's dealt damage, they sack permanents. Yeah. Like, you lightning bolt their Obliterator, and then you sack your three lands. And you're like, oh, I've learned <laughs> a valuable lesson. Yeah, that was awkward. The text on Phyrexian Obliterator. Yeah, don't touch. <laughs> Do not touch. No touchy. Murderous Rider, yes. Uh, <laughs> Lava Coil, Double no. Whirler, no. <laughs> play my chain whirler deal one day with sheep literator sack my chain whirler i've made a terrible oh. mistake yeah but yeah so those are the two cards that are coming it's coming out um may 21st Ooh, so pretty very quick. soon yeah yeah someone's gonna have to care about historic soon no yeah no give Maybe. us pioneer yeah i just want pioneer man you cowards <laughs> Oh Reaper. boy, here we go. Is Reaper. that going to be your t-shirt campaign? Give us near you cowards? Maybe. Pleasant Kenobi has reprint French lands, you cowards. Maybe we yeah. can have give us Pioneer on Arena, you cowards. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we know you don't treat your employees well. What's treating them a little bit worse to make me happy? Come on now. That's right. There's a pandemic. They're not doing anything else anyway. They're not going outside. Just like leave these pasty nerds inside where they want to be. Otherwise, like, I played a bunch of best of one. Yeah, I've been playing best of one lately Because I've also. not wanted to commit to, again, like, a 45-minute, like, game with cyborgs and stuff, which maybe just makes me a bad person. Yeah. But from what I've gathered, like, if I were going to build a cyborg, like, I am dangerously close to putting four ley lines in my cyborg. Four ley lines of the void. The, yeah, for the Loris. And for cycling. And for oh, all yeah. the Euros. Like, the card hits every deck but fires. So is it time to just play mono mono black? Like mono black devotion with four main deck ley lines? <laughs> like, 60% of the time, like, the, your opponent, like, insta-scoops. And 40% yeah. of the time, you mulligan to six and just die. Well, I mean, if you got 60% of the time your opponent just scoops, then that'll get you, get you through gold in no time. <laughs> you get there real fast. Yeah. Yeah, like we might like I was like, what cards can I play? Like Leyline. Because it turns off Zenith Flare. Yeah. Which is the main way that deck wins. Mm-hmm. It turns off Uros. Yeah. It makes Loris a three two with mm-hmm. lifelink. Yep. Uh, turns off cat oven. Turns off cat oven. Just does it all, man. It does not work with Garuda though, right? Does not work with Garuda. Gyruda still gets to put the card into play. Yeah. Because reasons. Yeah. 
So Garuda says, reveal the top four cards of each player. Each player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard and then put one of those cards with an even converted mana cost onto the battlefield under your control. Yeah. So it doesn't say from the graveyard. Yeah, it doesn't care where the card's coming from. So even if they get exiled, those four cards are still looked at for Garuda yeah. and put onto the battlefield. Like, that just feels like a rules oversight to me. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, they just worded it incorrectly, mm-hmm. and they can't go back and fix it, and they have to be like, oh, yeah, we meant for that to happen. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> sure you did. Yeah, but it really feels like, like we might be, like, rapidly approaching, like, a ley line of the vo- like ley line of the void in the sideboard is the right thing to do, mm-hmm. which you know, I might be okay with that, but it also feels wrong. Like ley line of the void is like my mortal enemy. <laughs> like has been for quite some time. For quite some time. <laughs> quite some time. If and I like, could think of two cards to post up on Brian's wall to give him nightmares at night, it would be ley line of the void and diabolic edict. Oh, Diabolic Edict. Oh, I hate that card so much, too. <laughs> so, so much. For those of you who don't know, that's how you kill a Merit Lage. Yeah. One in a black instant sacrifice. Target opponent sacrifices a creature. Or target player sacrifices a creature. Yep. And the um, Grixis Delver decks used to just play one in the main board. <laughs> just to keep you on your toes. Just to keep you honest. And you're just like, oh, my God. So, yeah. So I don't know if I can really say, like, it's ley line time, but yeah. it might be ley line time. It might be. With just how many decks are, like, relying on the graveyard. hmm And it turns off all the dies effects, too. Right. Right? Dies and makes a 1-1. One, one. No, it doesn't. Right. When Scorpion, whenever Serrated Scorpion dies, they lose who you gain to. No, it just yeah. goes into the exile pile. Yeah, it turns off Nightmare Shepherd. Yeah. Turns off Mothra. Oh. We played against a Mothra deck this morning. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, we're really talking me into this whole uh, ley line thing. (laughs) So, if you're, you know, don't be afraid to put a ley line in your sideboard, uh, players of Arena. Well, Uh, I mean, be afraid to just put one ley line in your sideboard. Oh, you You put four. One ley line in the void. You put four. Yeah. It's always four. Yeah, so don't be afraid to play four Leyline of the Void. I guess um I guess you've gotta find a companion that also works with your Leyline. I don't know which one that is. Garuda? Garuda Karuga. Leylines. Hmm? Karuga. 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 Yeah, you can yep. Karuga people with your yep. Leylines. Yep. Then he's always gonna draw you a card to make up for the fact you had right. mulligan to six. Make sure you had your Leyline. <laughs> or that you had two Leylines in your opener. Yeah, and you're just like both of them. There you go. And that's when your like wily opponent plays Barrier Breach and exiles two enchantments and just like, oh my god. I give up. (laughs) Concede. (laughs) Again, that's one where you go to hit the concede button and Sparky's like, you have to watch these both go to the exile pile. You have to watch. Fine. Fine. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. You thought you had them. You didn't have them. (laughs) All right. Now that we've turned Sparky into a villain. <laughs> I mean, I think he's always been a little bit of a villain, maybe. right? Oh, maybe our shirt is, hey, Sparky, give us Pioneer, you coward. Oh, yeah, perfect. There we go. 
There we go. Cause he's the one holding us back. Yep. All right. Let's get one on that. Yeah, there we go. There's our. There's our. Uh, there's our uh, play mat. Hey, Sparky, give us Pioneer. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. There we go. So with that high-end arena discussion. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's a quality content our uh, our listeners come here for. Our patrons pay their good money for such high-quality content. And we appreciate it. Thank you very and much. We do. We do. So with that, if you have any ideas for content, if you have a deck you want us to adopt, there we go. Maybe yeah, if you're a patron, you can tell us what deck to adopt. Oh, awesome. I can't wait to see what Bradley Whaley has for us. There we go. So we can we can adopt we can adopt a deck and then report back. Yep. So you can tweet that deck at us at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can find us on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. If you want to drop us an email, you can do that at show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Don't forget about our TCG affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. We'll get a very small percentage of whatever you spend after you follow that link to help keep the show going. If you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can hit us up at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. And is there anything else? No, I think that's about it. All right, we'll catch you guys on Arena. We'll catch you on the interwebs.